choices. If you think about it, we have plenty of them. Probably in the average day, we have dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of different choices, decisions, or different options that we have to take and we have to decide between. And even as we might experience something as much as shopping, we start to go on that adventure, whether we're doing it online or whether we're in a store, and then all of a sudden we're confronted by options. Even if you want something as simple as toothpaste, perhaps some different pizza, maybe even you're going clothes shopping, then all of those different things, they have a lot of different choices. And so we often find ourselves baffled, overwhelmed, and even perplexed at the different choices that we have to make. Does this matter? Does it make a difference? Will this be better than the other thing? And oftentimes they're very inconsequential. What happens whenever it comes to the essentials of life? What happens whenever it comes to the things that we believe as a church, or the things that we know as a people of faith? What about the choices that we're supposed to make? Or is faith even going to influence our choices or our decisions at all? Perhaps that's why we have this set of readings today. To answer that very question, how is a life of faith really going to impact our day-to-day -day living? What is it challenging us to do, and what are we supposed to consider? We start off and we hear of Solomon in the first reading. In this reading from the book of Kings, the first book of Kings, it tells us this account of how Solomon really comes to gain his namesake, or the very element of what he's known for in his entire life. So we hear that Solomon is in, in a deep slumber, and the Lord comes to him with this simple imperative statement. Ask of me something. Just ask him for one thing. And Solomon sits there, and he starts to kind of wander around and waffle, and he eventually comes up with this. He starts to explain to the Lord that you've put me in place of my father David, and I'm governing a people that's so vast and so numerous that it's almost incomprehensible. So I want this. I want a heart of understanding. I want a heart that's able to determine good and bad. I want a heart that's able to judge your people and to judge your people well. That's what I want. And the Lord hears this and he's pleased. And we can almost imagine the Lord smiling at Solomon's request because it's exactly what he wanted him to choose. Because it's something that's going to benefit the entire people. And so what does the Lord say? Because you haven't asked for a long life, or sums of money, or riches, or even the life of your own enemies, I will give you a wisdom so great that it will surmount and surpass any wisdom that was there before, and it will never see anything like it in the future. And even to this day, the name Solomon is synonymous with wisdom. So it came true. The Lord gave him that gift of wisdom. And even those other things that he didn't ask for besides, that all of those were granted to him because he had the ability to choose very well. We move on to St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, which we've been following for the last few weeks. Last week we heard about weakness and how the Spirit intervenes in those moments. That we know not how to pray as we ought, and yet the Spirit still comes into power, and it comes to help us through those moments. That even in the difficulties of life, even in weakness, the Spirit is always there. And the Spirit continues to impact even in this week's readings because it's telling us about how the Lord spends everything and turns everything for the good for those who love Him. And that's a powerful thing because oftentimes in life, especially for the Romans, they were always focused on what was going wrong, all the bad things and the things that weren't going correctly. And so they always wondered, what's the Lord doing about those things? Well, Paul has the answer. The Lord will turn for the good 
those things that aren't even good, those things that are going poorly for those who love him, and those who have been called as he promised. And so there is that reminder that there is still the Spirit working, even in the midst of whatever might fail or whatever might seem to be falling at the time, that the Spirit's going to work in those ways. But then Paul, to make his point, he backs up and he starts to point out the Spirit has always been working because God foreknew, God predestined, and then eventually God calls, then God justifies, and then finally God glorifies. All of those different things require the Spirit, that Jesus Christ does those things perfectly, that he comes through and he is the first fruit of those who are called, that are justified, and then eventually those that are glorified, that Jesus Christ is the one who gives us that ability. But then it also falls to us, to the Romans, and to everyone in between, that in fact God is calling, and he's still calling to this day, and the Spirit does that. And finally, we arrive at the gospel according to Matthew. So we're used to parables from the last few weeks, and we're finally given a set of three parables specifically on the kingdom of heaven. And so we're told that the kingdom of heaven is like these things. So the first one, the kingdom of heaven is like a person, a man who goes and finds a treasure in a field. He buries the treasure, he goes, sells all that he has to buy that field. So important is that treasure to him. Or if that doesn't strike us enough, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes, he sells all that he has, and he buys that pearl. Or the kingdom of heaven is like a net cast into the sea, that it gathers all these fish, and then when it is full, they pull it ashore, and then they sort it out, the good and the bad. The good is kept in buckets, the bad is tossed to the side. It kind of resembles the same parable that we heard last week with the wheat and the weeds. It very much is hearkening back to that same idea. But nonetheless, it's that idea that is given to us because it wants to highlight that there is good, there is bad, there's in between, but nonetheless, the Lord and all of his angels are going to sort those things out. And so indeed, that comes back to light. But notice the very end. That the Lord's asking the disciples, do you understand all of these things? They're finally starting to grasp on. Because at the very end, he tells this idea that the person who is like this, the person who is wise enough to understand these things, is like someone who brings from the storeroom the old and the new. That they understand the old law, but they also understand the new. So they understand it completely, and they're going to bring forth, forth both. They're going to believe in both as well, both the old and the new. But let's stop and go back to that idea of choice for a moment. Because as we might have it, and as we see it in our church and in what the church teaches, there's several elements that are important for us to consider, but it also challenges us in a specific and powerful way this week as well. The first thing that's offered to us to consider is the fact that we have the ability to choose. We have that option, we have the ability to make decisions that we are able to go out, that we are not determined or necessarily predestined to work in a programmed way, that this is the very thing that distinguishes us from all of the animal kingdom, and it in fact makes us different, because we're re able to reason, we're able to find out what's the same, what's different, we're able to parse those things out, but then we're able to reason and to choose. And this is powerful. Because free will is not given to every single animal or every single creature on this earth, but it's something that is endowed to us by our Creator, because God Himself wants us to be like Him, even in this way. But there's a risk. 
Because as much as we can be predetermined agents, as much as we can decide what our end is, and we can determine, and we can choose whatever we want, there's inherently a risk with this. We see in the Gospel, that very last parable, the third one in the series, the way that we are called and encouraged because there is that moment of separation, that moment where the good is sorted out from the bad. And indeed, that reminds us of the ability that we have to choose. Because we have the ability to choose well, we have the ability to choose poorly. That in fact, we can choose well. We can choose for those things that are going to lead us closer to the kingdom of heaven. But at times, we can also choose those things that are going to lead us away. And so we know that at the end of our days, that free will, it is a gift. But sometimes it's a risky one because it gives us the ability to determine, are we going to do good? Are we going to do evil? Are we going to simply sit and do nothing? That that choice is there, but God wants us to have it so we can be like him, and ultimately we could choose well. Then finally, the thing that we should realize, that as much as we see these choices, and we see the good and the bad, which we could also call the consequences of our actions, we finally also have to note that these consequences don't just affect us. That oftentimes we're used to the decisions, those uh, options that we have that really don't impact anyone else. No one's really going to care what brand of pizza we eat at night. But there are choices and decisions that we have to make that do affect others. If we look back at the first reading, we see King Solomon, and he's taking that very seriously. That he recognizes and he knows very well that he is given a tremendous responsibility and a tremendous weight. And in that moment, the Lord is very aware. Solomon could have asked for anything. I don't think any of us would have blamed him if he asked for a longer life to govern more effectively, or maybe more money because he felt that it would have helped him in his rule, or maybe just simply the life of his enemies because it would make him appear as a powerful leader. I don't think any of us would have necessarily blamed him for asking for those things. They all still seem like they would be good. But nonetheless, Solomon knew in his heart of hearts that he had a better choice to make because he knew that he was living in the service of his people. And so all of a sudden, it didn't become a consideration to him to choose something selfish. Rather, he had to choose something that would put him at the service and even better service of the people. And so he chose, and he chose that heart of understanding because he knew his actions weren't just related to him. They weren't just simply impacting him as if he was an island. Solomon was very aware that the human all of the human family is a network, that it is not an island, but in fact we all impact each other. And so Solomon was aware of that, and because of that he wanted to have the best impact that he could. So he asked for that gift of wisdom. He knows there's a difference. He chose well. But as much as we might see all of those things, a lot of those things are elementary. They might be things that we already know, but it's good to revisit those things because as much as we look at this, the gospel is asking us a simple question. Are you willing to go after the treasure that is beyond all telling? Are you willing to go after the pearl of great price? Are you willing that whenever the nets are drawn up to be one of those good fish that has chosen well in life? Because really, sometimes we lose focus on that. That many times, even our world today, it tells us that even religion or even to be a person of faith is just a choice and an inconsequential one. We know that it makes or breaks, and it really makes a difference in our life. That if we choose to be a person of faith, that it's going to influence our every decision, our every option that we have, and it's going to influence and impact our every choice. 
And so that's the real difference, that the gospel is reminding us that our choices do have consequences, but they do affect others as well. But namely, we can choose. But the question is, what are we going to choose? Are we going to choose the peril of great price? Or are we going to choose to simply live in possession of what we have already? Because oftentimes in life, we can choose between the two, and very concretely even. For example, if we're at work and there's that one person that always grinds our gears or gets on our nerves, that there is the choice every single day to kind of shun that person to put them to the side, or there's the option to be kind to them instead. Or even if we recognize those in leadership or authority over us, whether it's our parents or our bosses or whoever it might be, that we have the option that we can either choose to be obedient and respectful and full to them, or we can ultimately choose to go away, to kind of back and stab them in the back and kind of push them to the side. Or maybe when it comes to living in our day and age, that we have the choice to live in truth or to live in gospel and slander. That no matter who the person is, whether we like them or not, that we might choose either between that truth to tell the honest opinion or the honest facts about a person, or we might choose to live in that gospel and slander because it feels like it makes us more powerful or it makes us more popular. That we might choose to live that way. Or even when it comes to the grudges or the different things that we might hold over others, that oftentimes we won't let go of those things because we feel like it makes us lose power over them if we let go. But in fact, God has a choice for us to make. We can choose to live in forgiveness, to live in that mercy that God provides, or we can choose to live in those grudges. That that's up to us. But the thing we should realize with each and every one of these choices, they lead us towards or away from God. They lead us closer to the kingdom of heaven, or they lead us further away. That at the end of the day, we should be aware of that reality. That our choices are not inconsequential ones. Our choices are not things that have no effect. But rather, they are things that can bring us closer and closer to God. And I pray that that's the case for each and every one of us. And perhaps there's other concrete choices in our lives or different decisions that we have to make each and every day that we wish were made better. They're always made better if we make them in view of the Lord and what He wants us to choose. Because oftentimes, we're used to shopping. We're used to this consumerist society where we're used to having so many choices and they don't really seem to matter much or affect us much. But we know that this choice is important, to choose for our Lord and for our God, to choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to choose to be faithful each and every day. Because oftentimes we are faced with that choice between the pearl of great price or those other things that are around us. Oftentimes we're faced with that choice to buy that field that has the treasure in it or to buy and keep on to those things that we're used to or familiar with. But my brothers and sisters, if we really want to choose well, if we really want to seek after the things that are going to make a difference in our life, if we want the best option, we're always going to choose the pearl of great price. We're always going to choose to strive after the treasure and to be one of those people that strive for the kingdom of heaven. The question is asked of us, are you pursuing the pearl of great price? Are you willing to pursue that treasure that is beyond all telling? Are you willing to follow the Lord and his will for your life? My brothers and sisters, we have all sorts of decisions and choices to make in this life. Let's always choose fundamentally and foremost for our Lord and for our God.